Good morning. It's a beautiful Sunday in the old Pueblo, and you're listening to KTDT Tucson. Thank you for spending part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored rock and roll radio station. This week, we're going to speak with Cindy Meyer and Joe McGrath. They're the founders of the Rogue Theater just off of 4th Avenue. They met in 2002 at a play reading and turned a mutual love of drama into a cultural force in Tucson. Today is May 8th, 2022. It's Mother's Day. My name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar. Each and every Sunday, our focus is on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core. We shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From A Mountain to U Arizona and all stops in between, you get the inside track right here on 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org, also available on your iPhone or Android by using our very own Downtown Radio Tucson app. And of course, on the show, you can email us, contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org. Probably the best way to connect with us is on our social media, Instagram and Facebook. Our URL website, lifealongthestreetcar.org, has all of our past episodes and the podcast is just about anywhere you can find those fabulous podcasts here. Um, And of course, if you uh, just want to be lazy and tell your smart speaker to play Life Along the Streetcar podcast, it should pop up. Well, we're going to talk about theaters today. We're going to start with the uh, Scottish Rite Cathedral. Uh, They actually have a performance coming up next Saturday, the 14th. It's called Skull Duggery, Lovely Lies and Devious Delights. Uh, You can check out more. I found the the details on the downtowntucson.org website under events. Uh, But this is the Carnival of Illusion presenting a magical night with Skull Duggery. It's a top-rated show, and they are said to be revitalizing magic by blending old-world prestidigitation, I'd like to say that word, with the uh, charm of vaudeville-inspired road shows. More details on the website there. You can uh, head over to the Scottish Rite on Saturday. While you're in the theater mood, our guests today are the founders of the Rogue Theater. Uh, We had a chance to just talk earlier this week by phone with Cindy Meyer and Joe McGrath. They met in 2001, 2002 at a play reading, hit it off, decided they they wanted to uh, put together a place where they could do some various serious masterworks. And they, over time, put together a a crew, a cast, and um, the company eventually took over the auditorium at the former YWCA. It's a historic building there on University, just west of 4th Avenue. They took over that auditorium, gives them the flexibility to to create a uh, different type of stage for in seating area for each one of their performances. So really enjoyed going there for shows and wanted to to learn more about the history of this. And I think you are going to enjoy our interview as well. This is Cindy Meyer and Joe McGrath of The Rogue Theater. I'm Cindy Meyer. I'm one of the co-founders of The Rogue Theater and its managing director. And I'm Joe McGrath. I'm the other co-founder of The Rogue Theater and I'm the artistic director. So the two co-founders, this is kind of exciting for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, tell me a little bit about this this journey. Did, did you know each other before The Rogue, or was this sort of your foray together into this world? Uh, we met a couple of years before The Rogue started. 
um, we were both actors in town and we were um, doing a play reading together actually. And while we were waiting to go on stage for the play reading, we were down at the Arizona theater company and uh, Joe turned to me and said, Hey, have you ever wanted to do a moon for the misbegotten? And I said, I've always wanted to do a moon for the misbegotten. And I thought, um, Joe was some big um, producer who was going to put me in one of his plays. And um, actually what, what it turned out is that we started rehearsing Act 2 of Eugene O'Neill's A Mood for the Misbegotten. I was um, working at Pima College at the time, and we would find an open classroom. And we every Monday night, Joe would come over and we would rehearse Act Two of A Moon for the Misbegotten. And that was that was just a pure labor of love. We had no plan to uh, perform it anywhere or any any thoughts about what we might do with it. We just wanted to say the words and live the lives of of Josie Hogan and and James Jamie Tyrone. Um, so that was that that was a, a the interesting interesting circumstance. Um, Cindy says she thought maybe I, I was some big fancy producer. She didn't know that she was the big fancy producer. (laughs) (laughs) What time frame was this? When did you, when did you meet? Uh, it was, it was about 2001, 2002, something like that. Okay. So fast forward a couple of years, you're, you're, uh, rehearsing and decide, you know what, let's just go ahead and open up a theater. Yeah, I I remember one day we were out in the parking lot um, after rehearsing and uh, Joe said to me, you know, if we're going to keep doing this, we should get some other people involved. (laughs) And so um, we decided, what the heck, life is short. Let's um, let's do it. Let's um, create a theater. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, opening a theater is getting some other people involved. <laughs> Evidently, <laughs> that's the definition. Well, was it? Did you open it at its current location at the historic Y, or did you have like a an interim spot, or, or did you just know this was the place to go? Well, for four years we were an itinerant uh, company, so we would perform uh, upstairs at the Temple of Music and Art in the Cabaret Theater, and then we would also perform at what was the Zuzi Theater, which is in the same building that we're now in. Um, But in 2009, we've um, decided it was time to get serious and and have a real place. And so we started renting this gymnasium, uh, what was a gymnasium here in the historic Y. Yeah, and that that came from the realization after four years that audiences Audience don't audiences don't think of theater as being a who as much as they think of it as being a where. And so actually getting an address and getting our own theater was going to be critical to us continuing. Um, and uh, and it really has turned out that way. You know, people people know where we are now. And, and um, when they think of the road, they think of, of this particular building, this particular room. Um, with the with the great lobby and the good cookies, as you mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you 
I, and I'm someone I've seen, I, I don't see every play. I've seen a handful of plays, I think, at the Rogue Theater. And, and the way it's set up, at least for the, the, the performances that I've seen, it's an intimate setting where the stage is almost, in a lot of cases, surrounded by, by the seating. So you, you get a really interesting vantage point depending on where you're seated. seated. Right. We, we often use what's called a, a thrust configuration where the audience is on three sides. Um, but sometimes we do proscenium um, where the audience is on one side of the room and the actors on the other. And sometimes we do it in the round. We, we've, we've done a lot of different configurations, which is one of the great advantages of having a black box theater is that you can move the risers around and, and create different spaces for the places, plays to live in. And we've been pretty energetic about um, going ahead and shifting those those configurations um, for the demands of, of the individual play. Uh, and that's the most important thing is that we put the audience in the relationship with the actor to make the play really work. Uh, for them, so um. yeah, it's it's interesting you use the word relationship, and and I, I mean that makes sense. But when I when I've described the Rogue Theater to folks that may not have been there, one of the things I, I will will say is that if if the if the performers on stage, if the characters are having a tense moment, if there's if they're arguing. I almost feel uncomfortable. Not almost. I feel uncomfortable. Like I'm intruding on this. Like I should not be here. What? I don't want to be this close to the action. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The intimacy of the space really does um, make you involved in the in the play. We'll have to get you in for one of our sword fights. Uh, <laughs> I will. Uh, I will gra- gracefully decline that. Uh, I think I, I, I'll stick to my uh, to my uh, heckler seat there in the back. So, so t- t- tell me about these other folks that got involved. Has has the company been together the entire time? Does it rotate? Do you have the same sort of group that puts on each one of these plays? We have about uh, a dozen company members who um, we put in all the plays throughout the whole season. That that company has changed over the years as people have, you know, moved out of town or decided they wanted to get a real job or, or whatever the, the calculation is. Um, but there are there's a dozen of us that um, work throughout the whole season together. And how many shows are in a, a typical season? We usually do five okay. during the, the regular season from May to September. And sometimes we do, uh, or excuse me, September to May. And sometimes we do a summer show, but um, the last couple of years we haven't. We'll be right back to uh, our interview with Cindy Meyer and Joe McGrath of the Rogue Theater. But first of all, I want to remind you that you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and available for streaming on Downtown Radio. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087. VK number 0902429. Equal housing opportunity.
Well, we heard before the break a little bit about the history of Cindy and Joe, the Rogue Theater, and now we're going to get into their performances and, and how they choose the works that they do and what we can expect for the remainder of this season and what we're actually going to see coming up next season, which starts in September. And how how do you select the, the works that you're going to be performing? Is that you and Joe sit down and tell everybody, or do you get together as a group and, and decide? Uh we we have a um, uh, actually Christopher Johnson has, is now uh, the assistant artistic director and and uh, of course Cindy described herself as a managing director but she's also the associate artistic director so there's there's essentially three of us who are uh, working together to come up with uh, uh, each season um, we're we're uh, uh, we really like to work with great literature um, and and challenging challenging ideas for our audience. So um, we're 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 not strictly entertainment oriented, and that doesn't mean that that we're, we don't always have an eye on how well the evening's going and 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 whether our audience is still with us because that's that's critically important uh for for really getting across great literature but we we st- stick a lot with great literature as as everybody knows we do one shakespeare a year um uh it, it's just always good to to touch base with shakespeare and um and so uh, we also do adaptations, uh, which is something that Cindy is particularly skilled at, uh, adaptations of, of pieces of literature. Um, and this work that we're doing right now, Mrs. Dalloway, is, is probably the most challenging thing that uh, she's done so far, except perhaps Moby Dick, uh, which was the last thing that, that Cindy adapted. So uh, we're not shy about taking on things that uh, people might say you can't adapt that for the stage, um, and, and and we decide well maybe we want to try and do that, and uh, and we have and we've done it with some success, so we're pretty we're pretty happy about that. But anyway, great literature either of either of stage literature or of uh, written literature adapted for the stage is really the core of what we do. Um, so you're doing right now uh, the, the through I think it was May fifteenth the, the current performance is Mrs. Dalloway, which is a novel by Virginia Woolf, and and what I'm understanding then is is the, what you're performing is your own adaptation. It's not not like it's been converted to a play and you've just picked up the script. You, you're actually changing it from the the book form to 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 the play. Absolutely. Um, I've been working on the adaptation for a little over a year. uh, And as we've been rehearsing, we've been developing the adaptation, developing ways to stage it with the whole cast, the whole company. And so it's a it's been a very creative project. It's not just a play that we picked up and, and we're rehearsing the parts for we're really creating uh, almost a kind of new art form with it, uh, with, with the play, with the novel. And that, that's one of the interesting things about this adventure that Cindy and I ha- have embarked on is, you know, there are two kinds of works that we do here. One 
we have affectionately term, uh, termed just add water. Uh, and and those, those are plays that have been performed, they're proven. Uh, um, the entrances and exits are all set. The, the theatrical devices are all clear on, on how they work. Um, uh, we just finished, for example, Death of a Salesman, which you could say is a just add water play, although it's, it takes a lot of water. It takes a lot of water. <laughs> Whereas Mrs. Dalloway's, this this script has never ever been done before. So uh, the rehearsal process is is not trying to figure out how somebody else made it work. It's trying to figure out how to make it work on your own. So in, with, with our own voices. So um, that's that's one of the interesting and wonderful challenges of what we've been up to. I think the last play I may have seen there was was Grapes of Wrath. I know that was a while ago. And I remember, oh. I remember sitting in the in the in the audience, and there were no props. It, 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 everything was was I don't know what the word is, but but mimed so by the actors. Yes. But it was so well done. And it, I mean, I could visualize it, I could see it. But I'm thinking to myself, there's nothing physical there. They're just acting and describing, and I was just so impressed with with that. Yeah, and that's you know, when, whenever we go to the theater, we bring our imaginations with us. Um, but with something like the Grapes of Wrath, um, we're asking you to imagine even more. And it, it has a really interesting effect on an audience member. If you're asked to imagine the, the Jode's car, for instance, even though we've just got some chairs and tables together um, for their trip across the U.S., um, when you imagine what the car looks like, you invest yourself yeah. into the play and it becomes your creation, too. It's not just what the actors are doing for you, but it's what you're doing in the audience to complete the picture. And it, it's almost like reading the novel because you, you are when you're reading it, you don't have those images. You have to create those images. And so when you're seeing a play, a lot of times you're given those images. But with, with that particular one. It was like reading reading the novel, but you were all the voices in my head. Yeah, 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 yeah and it's, it, it is like reading, and it's like radio, because um, uh, radio plays are, are are the same way, uh, where you you conjure the imagery in your head as you hear the sounds, um, and and like Cindy says, it, you you become committed. Uh, to what you're imagining. And of course, one of the fascinating things, of course, is it's a community imagination as well. So there you are in the room with 150 other people um, in, you know, in the semi-dark uh, and you're all imagining uh, from what you see in front of you. Uh, and it's really, it's really an exciting thing uh, to be able to, to be able to do it that way. That's, that's really very much what the theater what the theater has to offer as distinct from uh, what you might see on screens uh, on television and film, um, it, it, uh, it, it encourages you, it brings you to the edge of your seat uh, and, and helps you work to, to imagine things for yourself um, and, and be engaged in making the image yourself. I, I like to tell the audience sometimes they are the artists. Uh, and we're just provocateurs. Um, uh, so, well, we have Mrs. Dalloway is going to be running through May fifteenth, and then you're going to take a break. I'm assuming if it's taking you this long to work on the adaptations, you you already have the next season sort of mapped out that starts in September. 
Yeah, we, we do. Um, in September, we're going to be doing Sweat by Lynn Nottage, which is a, a fairly contemporary play. Uh, I think it was written just a few years ago. And um, it's, a, it's a really beautiful, hard-hitting play about um, factory workers in Pennsylvania and what they go through when the um, factory changes its rules, essentially. Um, it's, it's a great play. It's, it is a great play. That, then in uh, November, we'll be doing Great Expectations by um, Charles, Charles Dickens uh, with an adaptation by Joe Clifford. Uh, and it's a really, this is a really fun and interesting adaptation. We don't always do our our own literature adaptations. Sometimes we pick up what other people have been up to in their literary adaptations. And Great Expectations, this is a great uh, adaptation of that particular story. And it's a story of Pip and, and uh, Miss Havisham and um, all those wonderful characters of, of uh, Charles Dickens. And then in January, we're going to be doing Babette's Feast, um, which many people recognize that title because of the film um, from um, probably 30 years ago, 30 or 40 years ago. But it's uh, based on a short story by Isaac Dennison, um, but adapted to the stage by Rose Courtney. And um, it's a it's a great story about uh, two sisters in Norway who uh, have a very interesting French cook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, 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 Babette's Feast is going to be a lovely, lovely evening in the theater. Uh, the Seafarer in March, we're going to be doing The Seafarer by Connor McPherson. Uh, last year we did uh, a play called The Weir by Connor McPherson, and we loved it so much we had to return to that voice. Um, it's uh, uh, two brothers uh, in in Dublin uh, on Christmas Eve are visited by uh, some some pretty interesting uh, and and intimidating people. It's very Irish and dark and rich and and lovely and and so we're looking forward to that one. And then in uh, the spring, in April and May, we're going to be doing A Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, so that'll be a fun way to end the season, um, one of Shakespeare's um, most beloved plays. I think that very recognizable. I think if you're, if you're even a novice into Shakespeare, you're going to recognize uh, <laughs> yeah. Puck, yeah. Puck and the gang there. Um, so we talked about the theater being a where, and you're in a very interesting location. You're just uh, west of 4th Avenue on University in the, in the former historic Y, and uh, you've converted the auditorium into the play, and that gives you that adaptability. That's fantastic. Yeah, we. This has just been a wonderful location for us, and and we are really close to the streetcar, um, so people can ride the streetcar down here um, to us. And it's just been nice to be, you know, near the university, but also near downtown. And it just is a. It's a great location, and we have a parking lot. That's important for people to know <laughs> that because um, people always wonder, well, where do I park when I go down there? And um, we've got we've got a, a little parking lot off the alley next to the theater. And for more information, uh, what are you, what's like your website? Do you have social media? How do people find us? Find you? Yeah, we're on Facebook. We're on um, Instagram. Our website is www.therogetheater.org. And 
theater is spelt um, the snooty British way, T-H-E-A-T-R-E, um, the Rogue Theater. And, um, and you can also call our box office and, um, and get in touch with us that way. Oh, fantastic. And so Cindy Meyer, Joe McGrath, the, the co-founders of the Rogue Theater, and they are bringing culture to life along the streetcar. We are so grateful for you to spend a little time with us today. We'll get this uh, on the air, and then I think we'll rebroadcast it in as we get closer to your, your launch in September as well. Oh, thank you so much, Tom. It's a real, it's a real pleasure to be able to do this, and thank you for inviting us to do yeah. it. Thanks a lot, Tom. It, it really is an honor that you uh, you were interested in in talking to us. That was Joe McGrath. He was with Cindy Meyer. They are the founders of the Rogue Theater here in Tucson. Uh, looking forward to heading out to their last play of this season, and very interested in uh, their first play next season with Sweat. My name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and available for streaming on downtownradio.org. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087, BK number 0902429, Equal Housing Opportunity. Hey, that's going to do it for episode 201, but before we head out... I want to thank uh, Mr. DJ Bank, the musical bum. He uh, stepped up last week. We had some technical difficulties. Couldn't get the show put together in time. And I said, hey, uh, Bank, why don't, you, uh, why don't you play a little more music? And he said, man, I would love to do that. Got to spin the art of easing for another half hour. And I'm sure the, anybody that tuned in was super happy to hear that. Art of easing, one of my favorite shows on downtown radio. Well, it's May 8th. It's Mother's Day. And we want to send a huge shout out to all you mothers out there. Thank you for everything you did, are doing, and will do. And we're going to leave you with a little music today by a gentleman named Ryan Bingham. This is from a 2009 album. This is called Tell My Mother I Miss Her. So have a great week, and tune in next Sunday for more Life Along the Streetcar. <laughs>